Welcome to the Bogosa Adventures podcast, where we talk leisure travel vans, RVs, gear, gadgets, and everything in between. This podcast is sponsored by, well, us. Check out PagosaSupply.co for custom leisure travel van accessories, such as cutting board sink covers that are custom fit for leisure travel vans, as well as our custom fit skylight insulators. We are also a Lithionics authorized dealer. My Lithionics lithium battery system gives me the total freedom to enjoy our RV travels so much more by allowing me to run our air conditioner on battery as well as never worrying about battery levels. So check out PagosaSupply.co. But now, on to today's episode. Hey, thanks for joining us today. I'm Brandon Hensley, and I got Ben DeBell, as always, with me. What's up, guys? Great to be back. Yeah, we've got this fancy new setup here. We just discovered this little thing here, so we're going to see how this goes. So really um, think that we are doing a pretty good job of being consistent with the podcast, Ben. I hope so. It's been a good 30 minutes each time just digging into LTV stuff, you educating me and our audience because I'm a novice to this whole world and community. Well, I'm going to tell you what, you are that and you are also an Aggie and had a big old win this weekend. Every once in a decade, we get a moment like that. So we have to live it up. You as an OU fan, you probably get more moments more frequently than we do. But you all set an amazing game Two two really epic kind of legendary games happen in the same weekend. Man, it was crazy. And so OU Texas, um, and I mean, for those listening in Canada or, you know, somewhere that you know, college football isn't as big of a deal, hey, this was a big deal. And then A&M beating Alabama, the number one team, big deal, man. Big deal. Uh, finally broke the curse. One of Saban's old coaches that coached with him finally beat him. He was, I think, 25-0. and 0. So um, that's off the back now. But yeah, I'm, I'm a huge sports fan right now. You have basketball starting up obviously football's right in the mix of it we're getting into mlb's playoffs so a lot of fun things to watch that's one of the reasons why i'm concerned with you know the ltv life or the 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 life out on the road is not being able to watch sports so is that even an option for you guys when you're out i mean it can be i've i've been very fortunate and you know our i normally just use over the air antenna i'm usually in somewhere where i can get you know the local channels abc cbs you know and fox and so i've been fortunate i get to watch my dallas cowboys i get to watch my you know my uh oklahoma sooners and then whenever you don't you hopefully have internet access and i have youtube tv and so that i just jump onto that and then i've got my all of my you know all of my sports there so internet is coming to you. How how are you even getting internet? Is it satellite or what is that like? Well, I've got I've got several different outlets. We've got um, if you're in, in an RV park, sometimes they'll have good internet. Not generally, they usually have crappy internet. Um, so if they do have good internet, you can use your wine guard that's on top of your LTV to to boost that signal down into the coach. Uh, but I don't rely on that because it's usually crappy. So of course, our phones we have hotspots on our phones. And then I also have an Epic Off Grid, which is is this awesome router with uh, pure unlimited Verizon, so I don't ever have to worry about running out of gigabits or gigabytes, whatever they call them. So I'm I'm always good with internet. So, so there's I, literally nowhere you can go in the country where it's so remote that you wouldn't even be able to access. Oh yeah, the online world. Yeah, once you get into the, you know out in the middle of nowhere, you can definitely be without. But it's getting rarer and rarer. I mean, there's cell towers everywhere these days and you know my my epic off grid it's got a you know you know pretty good booster on it so i you know 
I, it's very rare when we don't have internet and then, but is it going to be good enough internet to watch, you know, live TV, you know, sometimes, sometimes not. I'm sure that brings an added layer of just a sense of security that you'll never be left stranded. You could always access or call somebody if you needed to get towed for some reason or something went wrong, you needed a special part. Like I'm sure that's a component to being able to be connected and, and be able to get help if you're ever stranded somewhere. I mean, yeah, I mean, that's true. I mean, if you, there, I made a video, I don't know, it was a few months ago this summer when we were in a RV campground that had um, zero cell signal, um, zero cell signal, and we had locked our keys in the coach. And as you know, if you saw that video that I had to climb on top of the rig and go through the, the sunroof. So, um, the skylight. So yeah, you can get caught where you have zero cell signal. Um, and so, so when tough. you're driving, cause you know, obviously you're driving hours and hours at a time in my mind, I think, okay, is this more like driving a comfortable SUV or is it more like, you know, driving an 18 wheeler? When you're behind the wheel, what does it feel closer to? Well, on a highway, it's like you're driving a luxury SUV, you know, like a, it's a Mercedes. And the, you know, mine's a 2020 FX. So I've got the upgraded, uh, the newer MB chassis. It's got the adaptive cruise control. It's got electronic steering. The seats are super comfortable. I mean, that thing drives like a dream. Now, where you can get, you know, it gets a little, you know, it's whenever you pull into, driveways or when you pull in off the road and it, there's a, you know, there's a dip. Uh, so a lot of people will do a suspension upgrade. I haven't done anything, uh, but some people will to get that sway out of there. And uh, I haven't really needed, felt I needed it too much. Gotcha. So the suspension upgrade, if you did decide to, to get it, it just makes the ride a little bit smoother when you're going over dips and dunks and all different kinds of things. Yeah, so I, I think below the the newer the new chassis. So the, in 2019, Mercedes had that new chassis. So depending on whatever chassis you have, if you're on, in the Mercedes, um, they had a, 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 a much less, you know, quality sway bar in those. And so a lot of people will go and upgrade those to like a Helwig sway bar. Okay. Um, with the newer chassis, like I have, they did beef that thing up. So I do have a little bit better of a, of a chat, of a sway bar. Now, some people go even further and will put in what they call, um, the sumo springs, which is basically bump stops. So when, whenever it's swaying, it'll stop there. So I haven't done that. Like I said, I, you know, I haven't really felt it. It's only one time that we turn and somewhere in East Texas. One time I turned off into a gas station and it was a, you know, a good dip from the highway to the uh, to the dr- to the parking lot. And yeah, that's like, man, I need those things bad, but that's really the only time. Otherwise you don't really even notice it. So upgrading the sus- suspension sounds like it would be a pretty serious, expensive upgrade, but maybe worth it. You know, obviously ride quality being on the road for hours at a time could be worth something investing in. I mean, it could be, I, I don't think it's terribly, I haven't priced it, but I mean, I don't think it's terribly expensive. Not like some of the upgrades you do to your rigs, but, um, uh, you know, I, like I said, I felt like I don't need to, you know, in fact, with the, the Mercedes, the new, the new chassis, I even have uh, crosswind control. So, um, big crosswind comes and man, the, I can feel the steering wheel adjust. And then if it's abrupt enough, it actually pops up on the screen crosswind, you know, crosswind and, you know, and so, 
I've never, you know, if you're just driving, I don't need, I don't think you need the upgraded suspension at all. It's really when you're just pulling out of driveways, you're turning with a dip. That's when you'll really say, man, I kind of wish I had that. So when you're riding, obviously there are points that could fail, you know, maybe something serious about the mechanics or the engine or something. What kind of protection do you get against that through a warranty? Well, yeah, I think that's a big topic. A lot of people are, you know, purchasing a six figure, you know, and a very expensive automobile or RV. So LTV gives you a two year warranty on, on their part of it. Then the Mercedes part of it has a three year warranty. And then I think probably it's a five year, just kind of like a typical automobile warranty on the drivetrain. But, uh, the, the Mercedes does have a three year warranty on their components then LTV does two years. So that's why, if you heard in last week's episode, that I'm taking my coach in to uh, Vought RV where I bought it and getting some warranty stuff done because we're about a year and a half old now. And so I want to make sure that I get everything done under warranty. And uh, But I haven't really had that much. I had the uh, the equalizer system. Just we had a We had that break when we first got it. Easy fix and no problems at all with the warranty. And then this, you know, the few little things that I'm having done now, but some people will buy and, and the dealers I know are going to be pitching you some serious, expensive, extended warranties, you know, seven, $10,000, you know, things. And then they just, you know, if you're financing and they'll just roll it in and you're paying for this, you know, you're paying interest on that warranty, which is, you know, financially, it's not a smart idea, but there are tons of you know, if somebody's thinking about getting an extended warranty, which I did not, I, I'm not an extended warranty type guy, but um, if somebody is thinking of it, don't get it at the dealer. Do, yeah. not, do not get it at the dealer. There's places like CoachNet. There's places like Wholesale Warranties. Um, and those places, um, you know, I, I think you're going to you're gonna be so much better off. You're going to, one, they're going to custom fit what it is for you. And, um, let's not just try to throw it because at the dealer, they just try to throw wheel protection and, and, you know, warrant everything. They just try to add on to your monthly payment if you're financing it. Now do RV owners get harassed by a million extended warranty automated calls like the rest <laughs> of us do? And do, are those warranties coming from those same companies? I yeah, I don't know. I don't know what those are. Those are so weird. I get three or four a day, you know, and it's just so annoying. I'm assuming it works or they wouldn't keep doing it. I guess some people yeah. bite on it, but <laughs> so annoying. But I, yeah, I don't know if they do or not. So what are some other um, things to be concerned about when you're on the road traveling to monitor, to check, make sure, you know, things are good to go. You're not going to break down halfway on your trip. Well, you'll, you always want to before you, you take off every day. So every day, this is kind of an annoying factor for me. If you've ever watched any of my videos about the wonder versus the unity, you, you know that, you know, a TPMS is my sore spot because if you get a wonder and the Ford, they give you a, a built in TPMS, meaning tire pressure monitoring system. So you can just, you know, turn and look at your dash and see, see what your tire pressure is because, uh, you know, those those RVs are heavy. Now there's yeah. not like the, it's not like the big rigs, you know, the forty thousand pound, you know, class A's. That if you blow a front tire, I mean, you may not make it out alive in those things, right? But still, our you know, our, we've got about an eleven thousand pound 
RV when it's loaded out. 11,000 pounds is quite a bit. And so those tires, you want to make sure that they are, you know, that they've got enough air, air in them, right? And so this is a sore spot that the, the Mercedes does not have a built-in TPMS. So every day before I even think about leaving, I have my little, um, my little handheld tire pressure stick, right? And I go around to all six tires and I, and I check, right? And then I carry a Viair, you know, uh, everybody needs a Viair air compressor. These yeah. things, yeah, they're awesome. I love them. And I carry mine, uh, I carry mine everywhere I go. And then you need a little air, you just hook it up and it's, and it's super powerful. Not, I mean, it's the best thing ever. I love my Viair. But yeah, that's a huge sore spot for me that I don't have a built in TPMS. So now I imagine that, you know, obviously the answer to this is probably it depends, you know, probably depends on how much you're traveling on your tires for how long they last. Do they last? Are they comparable to a tire on a regular vehicle? Are they more expensive to replace? Like what is the whole tire system like on an RV? Yeah. I mean, on an LTV, no. I mean, they're, they're going to be a very, very, I mean, they're going to be more expensive than say a Toyota. Right. Um, but the ones on that come on the, on the LTVs are continentals. Um, which that's a good tire and obviously a, a good heavy duty tire. Um, and you know, you can get, cause most people don't put a ton of miles on their leisure travel van. I mean, I had mine for a year and a half and I've got 6,400 miles. Right. So this is not a daily driver and it's not, you know, we take it on long trips, but the thing that you're going to want to look out for is sun, you know, the UV UV rays are what really kills your tires. So, mm. you know, so if you're going to be, if you've got them outside, if you store yours outside in the sunlight, you're going to want to get, you know, tire protectors, you know, yeah. UV protectors. So, um, gotcha. So how do you store your RV? Mine stored, you know, leisure travel. I mean, at, at, I wish it was stored on leisure travel vans, but, um, no, at national indoor RV center. So, so you think it's worth going indoor facility if you can, if you can swing it? 100%. Yeah, if you can, because, I mean, you're not going to have the sun beating down. You're not going to have snow, not going to have rain. So mine, you know, like right now, is sitting there in indoors, plugged in, keeping that battery charged and um, out of the weather. And so the only time I worried about it was during the snow apocalypse this year. Um, yeah. We had four days where Dallas was the Arctic tundra. And even indoors, I'm, you know, I was kind of worried by day four. I'm like, man, cause I don't win, I don't winterize the coach because yeah. it's indoors and it's Texas, which, you know, we might have, you know, a few days of freezing weather, but that's about it. But mine are indoors. So that's no big deal. But during that snow apocalypse, that's when I was going, oh my gosh, I went on any busted, busted something, you know? So, but everything was, everything was good. Does winterizing your coach just add a layer of complication and complexity whenever you're wanting just to take it out? Or is it, no, it's just a matter of being willing to invest the money and the upgrades to winterize it? Yeah. I mean, it's not too terrible to, to winterize. There's some people that do use their coach in the winter and um, up in the cold and, and, you know, and put in, actually what you do is there is actually a hose in the wet bay that you suck up the antifreeze and you put it in all the pipes. Okay. So that's how you winterize it. Um, and so then obviously you can't use the water tanks. You can't use the, the sinks and everything. So if you want to use a toilet, what you have to do is just have a jug of anti antifreeze and use antifreeze as your 
flushing agent for your toilet. So you can use your LTV um, in the winter, but that's a, you know, just that's a, that's a pain. But there's a lot of people that don't have a national indoor RV center near them. You know, I'm so fortunate that's one, I have one five minutes away that, um, and they have to store outside. So yeah, you need to, you really need to winterize that thing. If you, if you live up North and are in freezing weather, because the last thing you want is some kind of a plumbing disaster to happen because you had a pipe freeze or something froze. So I'm thinking, you know, obviously with owning any vehicle, there's going to be a cost of ownership. It seems like one of the added costs of ownership for an RV is storage. Mm-hmm. Is there anything else that's different from a regular car and owning an RV that, you know, increases the cost of ownership? No, I was really surprised how cheap insurance was on it. It's about half the price of my Tesla, which is, you know. Wow. Yeah, I was really surprised. <laughs> that's a surprise. I, yeah, I was really surprised. And Teslas are notoriously expensive to insure for some reason. But um, but no, it, it was it was not that that much. So. That's one thing I love about LTV. They're not expensive vehicles to maintain. They're not expensive vehicles to drive. You know, I get 16 to, depending on where I am, 16 to 19 miles a gallon, you know, on a, you know, on a trip. Um, And so they're not expensive. You know, you do need to store them. And if you've got property and you store it at home, then obviously that's not an expense. I pay, you know, a monthly fee to to store. Um, And so, but no, leisure travel vans are not expensive to own at all. So in a regular vehicle, you know, regular maintenance would be, you know, I have to top it off with gas. I have to replace the the oil every now and then. What are some like additional things that you have to do to prepare for travel for an LTV? Well, the, you know, Mercedes on mine, they have the, you know, they have when you should change your oil. I did mine, you know, a couple months ago. Uh, we had, had that first oil change at about 5,000 miles. Um, if you own the uh, a Ford Transit, I don't know what the exact intervals are for oil changes there, but no, I mean it, uh, they're basically just like you know normal vehicles. Whereas Class mm-hmm. A's have those giant Cummins, you know, um, truck engines in them, you know, and so so yeah, that's that's those are those are extremely expensive to maintain and deal with. But it does it have internal water tanks and propane tanks, and and how do you fill those up? Is that a service that the storage facility offers to you? Like, what does that look like? Yeah, mine does. So whenever I, whenever I reserve my coach to come out, and that's what I love about National Indoor as well. I mean, it's a valet service, and so I don't do it very often, but I can leave, I can just leave my car there. So if I'm by myself, I can, and I want to go pick up, I just put in the time and the, on the website, what time I'm going to pick up the coach, any special needs. So if it needs propane, if I know it needs propane, I'll just say, you know, top off the propane. They automatically top off the water, the fresh water. They turn on your air conditioner, turn on your, your, um, refrigerator. They check the tires. They do a real good job of having you ready to go. And so I'll go in and I'll just, you know, if, if I'm not being dropped off, then I just leave the car there and they put my car in, in indoors and it's stored there until I'm ready. And then when I get back, it's ready for me to go. So it's, it's great. I'm, I'm very, very spoiled. I'll be honest with you with national indoor RV center. So it's, it's fantastic. So let's say that you prepared the RV to go on the longest trip possible off Mm -hmm. grid. Yep. How long could you go out into the wild and survive just on the RV? 
Well, that's where the negativity of the leisure travel van comes in because they have such small liquid tanks. I only have a 24-gallon fresh water tank. And, gotcha. Yeah, and you can go through that super, super fast. I think it's got like a 20, might be the same 24-gallon, 26-gallon uh, black tank and gray tank, and so those will fill up. So, yeah, the leisure travel van isn't necessarily going to be great. Like some of the big fifth wheels will have tanks three to four times those sizes, right? That you can go and you could stay several weeks. And with the leisure travel van, just be, do just 100% because of water, you're going to have to get that filled back up or, or dump your, your, your black tank, gray tank somewhere. Probably, I mean, a week maximum. If you didn't take showers, a week maximum. If you take showers, Two days. Showers <laughs> will take your your water. Yeah. So fa- you'll be surprised how fast because that water just transfers from your fresh tank to your gray tank. So you're emptying one and filling up another. And so it's, well, you do uh, have a Berkey. You could just start collecting rainwater and uh, yeah, showering with yeah, some my Berkey, Berkey water. Yeah, that is true. <laughs> that is true. But, uh, but then, yeah, my battery, you know, I've got lithium batteries. So that'll last me in solar. So that'll... Uh, power wouldn't be an issue. It's completely the the total issue would be, you know, the, the liquids. So that's that's the only negative thing about boondocking in a leisure travel van is it's just going to be a very short stay for you. And the fifth wheels would give you the longest runway without hookups. Yeah. And, and, you know, in the big class A's, anything that's big is going to be able to have bigger tanks, right? Yeah. And so, um, so yeah, the, the leisure travel van, something small like ours, you know, the class B, the, the, the van hashtag van life, you know, those guys, there's just no room for liquid tanks. And so you're going to have small, small tanks. So some of these people that are, are literally living in RVs, you know, they are probably just jumping on a daily basis, maybe from hookups to hookups, depending mm-hmm. on whatever the roadmap is. So it's, it's definitely doable if you have like a strategic plan to, find those areas to, to refuel. Yeah. I think a lot of the full timers probably pride themselves in how many times can they not pay for to park, meaning, okay, can I stay two or three nights on, you know, BLM land for free, right? Okay. I can do two or three nights and then I'll go to a a RV park and, and dump and and refill tanks and, and enjoy unlimited everything. Right. Um, and so, yeah, I think that's probably the way that they do it is they really pride themselves on, you know, how many times can I get out of paying somebody to park my rig? I would be curious to see the scale, maybe even talking to some of them, like, what does it actually cost you to live on the road? I'd be so curious to know that has it hasn't maybe compares to a, a typical apartment. Is it about come out to be on par or is it significantly cheaper? I would, no, I, I would yeah, I imagine guess. it's a lot cheaper. But there are some channels that do that. They'll do a, hey, how much did this cost us this this month or whatever? And they list out their RV parks, their fuel and, you know, different things like that. But I'll say that, no, living in an RV should be if you're, unless you're just, you know, paying a daily resort fee somewhere, you know, would be substantially cheaper than, you know, typical sticks and bricks life. I would imagine you'd probably eat out a lot more though probably be more difficult to cook your own food or maybe not. Maybe that wouldn't be as difficult as you would think. I mean, it shouldn't be. I mean, I, I love my Blackstone. Got an awesome Blackstone. Got my, my, you turned me on to uni pizza ovens, you know, so I still I've got to give you my dough recipe. 
Yeah, I know. And so I've got <laughs> I've got my little uni pizza oven that'll fit in the leisure travel van. Yours is yours is the sixteen inch, right? It's the bigger one. Yeah, I got the big boy. Do you still you use got, it? Oh, I'm gonna make it tonight. Make some pizza tonight. Got really? my dough ready. It's gonna you, be amazing. You let your kids uh, get the, use the little spatula thing and get it on. Uh, no, they're not quite ready for that. Five and two. No, it would come out just like more like a calzone than a pizza. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> how long does it take? Does it take, how long is it taking them? It takes about 90 seconds to cook. It's a uh, Neapolitan style. I mean, it, the oven heats up to about 900 degrees. Okay. So if somebody wanted your dough recipe. I mean, is this, are you, when you say your dough recipe, what do you mean by your, you didn't, did you come up with it? Or you just like, buy the I stick? have refined a recipe. I basically tried, um, dozens of recipes and this is the one that works best. It's really, really simple. Um, you're starting out with a poolish and uh, basically you're pre-mixing a portion of the dough in water and letting it ferment overnight. And then you add it to the main dough and it just gives it a lot more rich flavor and texture whenever you cook it. So I, if I want to have pizza on a particular night, I begin making the dough 24 hours before the night before, and then it's ready to go whenever I'm ready to make the pizza. You could do a same day dough, but you know, we can get real into pizza making because it's a, I'm more than a hobbyist now. I'm borderline professional at this I point. The, I think the first day you, you got that thing, you sent me like 40 pictures of all your pizzas, like all proud of them. And Oh, I've tried them all. They looked amazing though, didn't they? Yeah. They, I mean, they really did. Yeah. So what kind are you making tonight? Just now I'm keeping it more simple. Just pepperoni. Can't go wrong. A solid classic pepperoni pizza with some fresh basil you're growing in the backyard. Yeah. Hard to beat that. That is hard to beat. That's fun. I, you know, honestly, I haven't, I have not used my uni on the road yet. I meant to take it to on this last trip to Colorado. Um, didn't, but I mean, I, it, it fits in my leisure travel van. I haven't used it yet, but, and it just hooks straight up to the propane. So I'm excited to, uh, actually use that. But you can do, and, and you can just go to the store and get like a pizza dough, you know, and just make yeah, it. Yeah, right? that's easy. Do you yeah. find yourself having to make hard decisions on what you want to bring on a trip because of limited space? Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, hundred so, percent. That's like the leisure, you probably that's couldn't travel van curse right there. <laughs> you probably couldn't bring, you know, like your Blackstone and your Uni and bikes and other portable, you know, yeah. chairs and tents. And you probably are having to decide what kind of experience do I want to have? I would mostly- say, yeah, I mean, no, I could take the Uni and the Blackstone. I think the Blackstone takes up one of the bays pretty good. The Uni is actually yeah. smaller. Um, and I'll be honest with you. The reason I did not take my Uni yet is because I didn't, they're, they're, they're sold out of the, uh, travel, um, the carrying case. And I didn't okay. want to dent it. And it's a padded carrying case. I didn't want to dent it up. Right. And so that's, that's the reason I have it. But, um, I could, pro- I could probably get it in, but, um, yeah, I mean, chairs and you gotta fit. Yeah. You gotta like decide what are you going to bring? Yeah. You got to decide, do I want more of an inside the coach experience on this trip or an outdoors probably experience on what you bring? Yeah. But, yeah. So you bring in the bikes, but can you, you could probably bring bikes and also attach a vehicle that you wanted to take around in tow. Could you do both of those things in tandem? Yeah, I mean, the, I mean, if you did the if you did tow a vehicle, you just put your bike rack on that vehicle. So right now, I have a Kuat that we put on the back of the leisure travel van. I, you know, we only take one bike. Janice not really into bike riding, um, yeah, so I just take my my bike and uh, but no, if we if I was t- towing a car or if I was towing like a, a cross trek, which is the one that I recommend for 
major travel vans, you know, they've got the attachment on the roof. So you just throw your bike up on the roof of the cross track and so, and, and pull that car. So what are some of the uh, items that are, could be on your potential wish list that you would like to, to get to bring on trips? Or maybe there isn't anything that you found and maybe we need some recommendations. I'm, I'm just, I didn't know if yeah, you have an on running list. Yeah. You know, I was thinking of, you know, obviously you think of all the things like kayaks or paddle boards, which, you know, basically, I mean, you can bring them, you can figure out a way to pack those into a leisure travel van somehow, like strap it to the back of the ladder or something, you know, not terribly the safest thing, but I would love to hear what, how people do that. You know, there's foldable paddle boards now, but you can also rent those things when you're at somewhere. Right. So that's not that big of a deal. You know, my biggest thing is, is I, I'd still plan on getting the cross track. Um, I just have not done it yet. One is, you know, prices are just so high right now on any Subaru. Subaru is one of the worst for the shortages. Right. And so use cross tracks. I mean, they're up 25, 30%. I just refuse to do it. You know, I refuse to do it. And so when new ones are impossible to get, so you can just, pretty much right you know and this is the last year that they're going to make a manual transmission which you have to have a manual transmission cross track from you know and i've heard that this is the last year they're making them and so and they're just basically unavailable so anyway well you'll have to add it to your christmas wish list and, and see what oh, santa I'll, i mean janet brings you no ben <laughs> no i'm out on that i'll get you a little go cross track model maybe off Amazon, <laughs> but that'll have to do. You can put that thing on tow and, and get some weird looks when you're on the road with that. There you go. But yeah, that'll be fun. Well, your, your RV is about to go into hibernation. And um, so it'll be fun to see what gets added to your wish list over this upcoming yeah. winter season. We're going when you're, to, you're ready uh, to bring it out. Yeah. We're going to take it out at least once more before it, you know, before it gets, gets cold. And so um not sure where we'll go yet, but we'll, we'll take it out. Yeah, and all that stuff. But anyway, but well, hey, that's 30 minutes, Ben. So, you know, cool. I think this, uh, uh, I'm excited to see how this looks. We're going to throw this up on YouTube and the two um, videos. And so we'll see. Yeah, how it it'll be fun. Well, we'll have plenty to talk about after your next outing. And yeah. um, we'll get to, you know, hear how that experience went and talk some more RV stuff coming up. Yeah. And be sure to give us some ideas for topics you want to hear about. And so yeah, I love having Ben as a, uh, as a co-host here because he's, he, like you said, he's never been in the RV, you know, world. And, uh, he and I, we partnered together with Goso to, to create products for RVs, but, you know, um, trying to get him to, to take the leap. He's got two children. It's perfect time. If you can convince me, I think that should probably be the objective of this whole podcast. <laughs> yeah, you seeing if you can convince me to jump in and bite and uh, and Come we'll on, see man. what happens. That'll you be know. a fun exercise. Absolutely. But anyway, well, cool. Well, thanks for watching this one, and uh, we'll look forward to talking to you again. So anyway, so hope this works out, Ben. And yes, be cool. Pretty good technology. Great to see everybody. I'm excited for all the listeners that we've had so far, giving us some really good uh, commentary and feedback. So more to come. Yeah, we'll see you next time.